just uh, last weekend, uh, we had uh, a sausage sizzle and uh, it raised money for our young people uh, to be able to get to Extreme Conference this week. And so I just wanted to say on behalf of the youth leaders and the youth and that, thank you, church, because they're able to do really well and they're able to now take uh, that supports the young people and their accommodation and their travel to uh, up to Mackay this week. They'll be leaving Wednesday morning. And so thank you. That money is gone a long way to helping young people to get to that conference. So brilliant. Uh, I just wanted to encourage you, uh, just pray for them as they go, because it's always an encouragement. Encouraging time always is an encounter moment that many young people, as they go to that conference, encounter God. Some of them for the very first time or just again, and uh, God speaks the hearts and lives. So uh, that's brilliant. Wonderful. So how are you going this morning? Have you got a voice this morning? Yeah, brilliant. I can hear you. It's worship this morning. What some great songs today, just to, and just uh, in worship, but also proclaiming that our God is a God that wants to bring a reviving. And I, I think the reviving of today is the revival in our, each of our hearts. God wants to do something fresh in our lives. And for some of us, maybe we need that freshness because there's a, there's a breakthrough needed or there's a situation needs to change or something needs to be sorted out. Uh, and you know, I want to speak into that today. We've, uh, we started a little series last week on uh, Psalms. Um, uh, there's uh, Psalms in the Bible from 120, Psalm 120 to 134, and they're all entitled uh, Songs of Ascent. And, um, and uh, we're not going to do all 15 of them, uh, but I want to tackle just two or three, three or four of them over the next couple of weeks. We started last week, Psalm 121, and, and so I want to look uh, today at Psalm 126. I was just um, interested, you know, when it says songs of ascent, uh, the truth is, is that the Jerusalem or the uh, Israeli or the Jewish people, as they would now travel from all the outlying uh, areas of, of Israel uh, back to Jerusalem, because there was a uh, tradition uh, three times a year they would come back to the holy city of Jerusalem and worship at the temple. And there was these three occasions, these three festivals. And so as they come back, uh, they would travel up to Jerusalem. Jerusalem is located pretty much on a fairly uh, a large hill. It's in a big plateau kind of hill, hilly area. And it's uh, actually 765 meters above sea level, which is just a little bit higher than Mount Larkham, if you want to get some perspective on it. And uh, so, uh, which, but it wasn't steep. It was a grad gradient. And so they'd walk up. And as they'd walk up, as they would ascend, and that's why they call them songs of ascent, as they would ascend up to Jerusalem, they would sing these songs. And uh, as they would sing these songs, no matter what had happened in that week, or no matter what had happened in that year, or no matter what the struggle had been, as they would walk up to Jerusalem, they sing these songs of God's deliverance. And they talk about God's good and that songs about the things that God has done in their lives and God has done for them. And so they'd proclaim these songs. You know, it's a bit like sometimes when you're just out in life and you just got some struggles happening. You know, it's, it's incredibly powerful sometimes just to lift your voice. You can do it by yourself and just lift your voice and to give thanks or just say, God, I still know that you're good. I still know that you're there and to give Him praise. And that's why we praise and worship Him because it's a, it's a song that's deliberate unto Him no matter what happens in the week, no matter what happens is happening in our life. I just know that when I do that, my, my focus and my attention 
gets a little bit more off my problem and sometimes more on him. And the problem seems so, sometimes, so much easier to be dealt with then. It's not that the problem goes away or the struggle goes away, but it, 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 we get some clear thoughts sometimes when we just give him praise. And this is what, the, uh, this is what these uh, Jewish people would do as they ascended up to Jerusalem three times a year. Um, and they would sing these wonderful songs. Psalm 126 is one of those songs. And so let me read it to you today. It's Psalm 126 verses. It's only got six verses. And it says, A song of descent. When the Lord brought back the captivity of Zion. What's that mean? It just talks about how they've come out of captivity. Uh, and I'll, I'll, I'll kind of communicate that in a moment. But they came out of, um, out of um, an area where they were taken away as uh, not as slaves this time. Not like when they were in slavery in Egypt, but they were certainly taken to captivity. Uh, we were like those who dream, it says in verse 1. Verse 2, then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with singing. And they said among, among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for who? Us. And we, were, and we are glad. Uh, verse 4, bring back our, capti our captivity, O Lord, as the streams in the south. Those who sow in tears will reap in joy. He who continually goes forth weeping, bearing seed for sowing, shall doubtless come along with rejoicing, bearing his sheaves with him. Uh, and, you know, when, to be honest, when I read that, uh, those six verses, um, they, 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 they seem to be a little bit uh, uh, disjointed in the sense of they've got different topics they address uh, in that song. Uh, and so whoever wrote this one was just thinking of, a, of some really important things. But there is a connection and it, as the person wrote it, they just thought of this thought. Oh, I must write this thought. I must this thought. But there's an incredible connection between them. And I want to share that with you this morning. Because um, the psalm really is about the goodness of God towards the, the Jewish people. And God, you know, I, I was uh, thinking how God was good to them, uh, you know, in many, many ways. And I think, you know what, today God is still good. He hasn't changed his mind. Uh, we might not be his Jewish chosen people, but we are his people, if you believe me. He, he hasn't changed his mind from uh, hundreds and hundreds and thousands of years ago. Uh, God is still good. And this psalm mentions that. And, and it says, as I mentioned, the, uh, the Jewish people were thankful because they'd been born out of captivity. And what's that referring to? It's referring to a time when they were taken into captivity from Jerusalem and Israel into a place called Babylon, which is to the east of uh, Israel. And they were taken into captivity by the Babylonians and a king called Nebuchadnezzar. That's a mouthful, isn't it? Nebuchadnezzar. And for 70 years, they were in captivity and until the Persian king uh, Cyrus came along and uh, attacked the Babylonians. And in the process, the Jewish people were able to be set free and return back to Jerusalem and return back to Israel. And so, um, so uh, you've got to understand, they were thankful for that. Um, and, and it says in verse 2, let me say it again, the Lord has done great things, things for them. The Lord has done great things for us. So as we read this, um, you know, I, I'm so glad that God does great things for you. God can do great things for you today. Come on. Um, you know, uh, God does not live to make our life miserable uh, we make our life miserable by the bad decisions we make and the actions and attitudes we have. But God does not want that. He's there to make our life good. He, he wants to be a blessing in our lives. And um, so we serve a God and He wants to give good gifts to those who trust and believe in Him. 
Uh, and notice it says God has done great things for them, and then God has done great things for us. Sometimes I think it is easier to believe for God to do good things for others and not to believe God to do good things for us. Because we can see other people blessed and we say, well, God's blessing them. God's got, you know, they've got God's favor in their lives. Isn't that exciting? And, and maybe you rejoice with that. But I want to say, no, this morning, it's not just someone else. It's you today. Uh, why wouldn't God want to do something good in your life? Why wouldn't God want to help you through what maybe you face? I want to tell you, He's more interested sometimes than we are in sorting some things out for us. And if we would engage Him, you would may be incredibly surprised what He can do. God is a good God. So um, let's talk about this psalm today. And I suppose I've entitled it, Three Good Things God Will Do For You. Three Good Things. God will do for you. And I'll, let me draw your attention again to verses 1 and 3. Let me read them to you. Here's the first one. When the Lord brought back the captivity of Zion, we were like those who dream, and then our mouth was filled with laughter, and our tongue with singing. And they, and they said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us, and we are glad. So here they write this song. And they had this line, the Lord has brought you out of captivity. And as I mentioned, uh, they were referring uh, to directly to the point of they'd been brought out of Babylon, back and allowed to now return to Jerusalem, return to Israel. As I said, 70 years, uh, the Persian king Cyrus had, had defeated the Babylonians and the, the Jewish people were released to return. Now, why do I know this? Is because prophet, the prophet Jeremiah actually prophesied it. In the book of Jeremiah in the Old Testament there. And Jeremiah uh, was a young prophet who used to speak the oracles of God, speak what God's uh, uh, word to the people. And um, it's interesting, but when they were in um, captivity in Babylon, in Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 5, he actually, God actually says to the Jewish people when they were taken into captivity in those first couple of months, he says, uh, he says to them, build houses and live in them. This is Jeremiah chapter 29. Uh, plant gardens and eat its fruit and have sons and daughters. So what does that mean? So what it means is, is that uh, God was speaking to the Jewish people through Jeremiah. And he was saying, come on, you guys. Um, you're in captivity now. And you want to get out of there as quickly as possible. And who doesn't want to get out of a problem as quickly as possible? Who doesn't want to get out of a situation as quickly as possible? We all do. But God spoke to them through Jeremiah, and, and, and as he was speaking, he said, build houses, live in them, plant gardens, eat the fruit of it, have sons and daughters. In other words, what he was saying was, you're going to be there a while. You're going to have to settle in. You're going to be there a while. Um, so just uh, for the moment, uh, start to dwell in this place. Build a house. Look after yourselves. You're not in slavery, so to speak, but you're in captivity. You can't come back to Jerusalem, but make the most of it in the midst of it. Uh, sometimes when we're in the situations, uh, sometimes we, we, we can get impatient and say, God, get me out of here, get me out of here. But you know, sometimes I find that there's a moments in time or there's periods of time where we, we stay in those moments or stay in that situation that we, don't, we feel uncomfortable about. But there can be, and, and, and we've just sometimes got to realize there'll come a moment, but we've got to trust God. Isn't it amazing that, that I often find that I don't trust God until I really start to realize I'm in something. And you know, I say, God, get me out. And, and, and it doesn't happen in my timeline. God's not on the same page in my diary as, as I am. And I want to see God do something quickly. But it doesn't happen like that sometimes. But the good news for the Jewish people was, 
from verse 5 and then in verse 11, he said, build houses, have sons and daughters. Verse 11 in Jeremiah 29, 11, he says this. He says this, a verse that some of us know really well. For I know the thoughts that you, I think towards you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a what? Hope. And so to the Jewish people, God proclaimed, hey, I know you're in captivity at the moment, but there is a future and there's something coming. Well, it took 70 years, but it came. And so now the Psalm 126 is on the back end of this, and they've come out of captivity, and they've come into this place, back to Jerusalem. Um, uh, you know, when I think of the realities that sometimes we, we're in a place where we don't want to be, we're in a situation we don't want to be, you feel like it seems, I'm stuck here, it'll never change, this is my lot in life, I want to tell you, it's a lie of the devil, because there's a Jeremiah 29 verse 11 waiting for you, that here's a God, Here's a God that says, you know what? There's a hope in a future. There is a hope and there is a future. And you can see that the, um, you know, the, the verse they say, you know, um, uh, they start to dream. It says in the scriptures, doesn't it? What's it say? It says here, uh, we were like uh, people who dream. What's that mean? When they came out of captivity, they were like, wow. Is this true? We're out of captivity. We're like, is this really true? Is, are we dreaming this? No, they're not dreaming it. Um, they're not dreaming it at all. But the truth is, is that they've come out and they're saying, hey, it's a new day. This is a wonderful. God's fulfilled His promise of there's a future and a hope for us. You know, when we start to, and maybe when you're in it right now, I, I encourage you, it mightn't be physical dreams like you know, when you sleep, you dream about the, a better day. But why not start to think about it? You know, God, there is a better day. I'm going to trust your word. I'm going to start to think about it. I'm going to start to focus on it. Because if I focus on the problem, it'll take me down. But I focus on your promises, it'll take me up. I'm just going to thank you. I'm going to believe for you uh, what you want to do. You want to bring me out into something new and fresh. Why don't, why don't you be challenged today and say, you know what? Don't be just satisfied where you sit today in the relation to God. But say, God, you got more. you got more for me good things for me and I know that's the truth uh, I know that's a reality and so we start to dream in the sense of think about what's good you know many years ago uh, I renovated my house it took a little while to do it nine weeks and um, and so I painted all the fresh walls in our house I, re I removed the old flooring put new flooring and then I got someone to replace the kitchen and uh, and I didn't quite have enough time to do our bathrooms uh, so our bathrooms are kind of locked into the 1980s style in the rest of the house is the is the uh, you know a better style of house and that's cool uh, you know they were functional uh, but you know what it's been a couple years several years now and I got a patient wife and uh, she doesn't mention it to me uh, but you know we, I, I start because I know I want to do I know what I want to do because I dream about it not dream literally as in sleep dream but I think about it I think you know I'm going to take the old uh, shower recess out and I'm going to put in a new bigger shower recess and, and I'm going to you know this is what I'm going to do over here new vanity basin and a nice mirror with lights so you know Michelle we can do our makeup not me but Michelle you know so you know and, and so I, I start to think about it and I think there's coming a better day for when I walk into that bathroom I go well I did this you tiling and then there's a second bathroom I need to fix up and you know uh, and get it happening and so the, I, I would encourage you today you might be feeling like I've been in this situation long enough but you know what don't give up the dream don't give up the thoughts on it come on uh, you know God spoke through Jeremiah to the Jewish people and now they say we're like people a dream it's come true and I want to tell you that God is a dream uh, sorry God is a God that makes dreams come true 
He is that kind of God. You couldn't, you couldn't believe it at first, but now you can. You can see. Um, so in times when nothing's changing, let's not allow our heart to be filled with bitterness and disappointment. Uh, but if we're trusting, He has a future and a hope for us. Uh, so don't stop dreaming. So my first point, so what can God do for you? He can deliver you. That's what, uh, that's what I was coming to. He, he delivered. He could deliver you because He delivered. As He did with the Jewish people out of Babylon, He does for us all the time. He wants to deliver us. And sometimes in that deliverance, it's you and me getting deliberate uh, in how we live our life and how we think. Because I've never, I've never found that I've able to come out of anything when I'm just thinking on the rubbish, thinking on the problem, thinking, oh, I'm, a, I'm stuck. But we've got to see the promise, hey. Um, the second verse, a uh, second thing I want to say, what God can do for us, is found in verse 4. It says, verse 4, bring back our, our captivity, O Lord, as streams in the, in the south. Now, this doesn't seem to make sense. They've come out of captivity of Babylon, and now they seem to be saying, bring back our captivity. What in the world? Because the, the new King James Version, that's how they put it. Uh, don't, oh, that's the NIV. Oh, you're, sorry. Where's the, where's, the new, where's the new King James Version? Is it bring back activity, O oh Lord, at streams in the south? Uh, you know, but it's interesting because those who then translated the NIV, and you've seen already, say this. And they say this, and then what they say is, restore our fortune, Lord, this, like streams in the Negev. You may say, well, what in the world does that mean? What in the world are they talking about here? Well, what it says, when it says to bring back our captivity, it means, um, God, please give us the fortune and the blessing we had in Babylon. But you were in captivity in Babylon. Yes, we were, but we weren't slaves, but we had blessing. Remember, I, Jeremiah said they built houses and lived in them. They had children, sons and daughters. They were blessed. And they um, planted crops and they ate of the fruit of those crops. And now they've come out and they've come to come back into Israel. And it's, it's a dry and barren place in places in Israel. And they haven't got anything because they had to leave their homes back in Babylon. They had to leave their crops back in Babylon. Now they've got to start afresh. And so now they say, you know, God, we want to um, restore our fortune, Lord. Like it was in captivity, restore that now here. And then it says, like, as, as New King James says, as streams in the south, uh, NIV says, like streams in the Negev. Now, the Negev is this desert, a massive desert in Israel, in the southern part of Israel. So if you come to, Israel is like just over, just nearly 600 kilometers long. So it's not a big place. But about from just under halfway down, you've got this big desert. Uh, the desert, and they, call, they called it the desert of Negev. And uh, I was there, uh, when I was there in February, I drove through that desert in, in a tour bus. And I noticed something really interesting because uh, in, in the dry landscape, you'd see these ravines cut in the, in the, um, in the, in the rock and in the you know, sand. And then you'd see these, um, you know, these dry uh, you know, places where obviously something had flowed before. Um, and as I started to look at that, I, I realized uh, channels, as they, that's what they were called, channels, like were cut through. And, and at certain times of the year, when the rains come in, in the southern part of those deserts, it, it uh, f rains so heavily that it flash floods. And, it, and the riverbeds, the dry riverbeds, start to flow again, just for a small season. 
I've actually, if you go on YouTube, you can see the, the, uh, a riverbed filling up again in that desert there in Israel, in the southern part of Israel. And it's like a little wall of water just comes down because it's rained in the desert hills and now the water flows down. It's a flash flood. So when they talk about, uh, you know, like streams in the Negev, they're not talking about a stream that's there all the time. That's not, what the script, that's not what the Jewish people are singing about. They're not talking about streams that are there all the time. They're talking about streams that come at certain times of the year. And it's like a quick burst of blessing, a quick burst of blessing to the landscape. And little flowers start to grow. And little bushes that have been there start to get some nourishment. That has to keep the, and then And, you know, maybe after a month, it's all gone again. But it's a burst of blessing. It's a burst of, of, of rain and fresh water. So this is what's happening here. So the Jews are saying, just like those streams that flash flood and provide necessary water for everything to survive, do that us, do that for that us, do that for us now. <laughs> do that for us now. In other words, it's saying, come on. Sometimes we may have waited a while, but you know, then the suddenlies start to happen. Bang. God starts to do something. Bang, something is released. Something happens. There's this fresh, all of a sudden something. And you feel like it's all, bang, it's all of a sudden. But you know what? God's been building up for that maybe for weeks or months or even years. But the reality is, is it seems like that stream all of a sudden filling up that river, dry riverbed coming and it's fresh. And the place where you never thought, you never thought there was so dry and so dead all of a sudden. And I want to just maybe, to, this is for someone this morning, the place in your life that seems like it's never going to happen, it's never going to be fruitful. I don't know that person you're believing for, that situation that seems like is dead and buried. I want to tell you, it'll come to life. And there is a moment if you would trust and believe and, and it can be like very suddenly, like the streams in the, in, the, in the southern desert of Israel, all of a sudden come to life and God wants to bang, do something. You never know when that moment may be, but you've got to trust Him for it. It's not like God puts a sign up saying it'll be today or it'll be tomorrow, but you know, why can't it be even today? Why couldn't it be? You know, I, I, I don't know why God's incredible um, wisdom in His waiting in moments when it does, it doesn't happen, but why can't we continue to press in and believe? It's not to get us, oh, I believe again, it doesn't happen. No, no, no. I believe again in the Lord. I don't believe. Sometimes we've got to want Him more than His answers. And you know, as you put your trust in Him and say, God, I'm trusting you. My God, it's you. I know it hasn't happened now, but I'm trusting you, God, that you have got a perfect and wonderful timing. And I think that's the thing that just brings joy into your heart. And say, Lord, I'm not putting my trust in the circumstances. I'm putting my trust in the God that rules the circumstances. So, you know, yeah, God's good, isn't he? Streams don't run all year round in that desert. And the reality is we don't always have streams of nourishment flowing through our lives all year round. But, you know, we, we stand on God's Word. We stand in, in trusting Him. And there can come moments, hey, come moments. You know, it says, it says um, bring back our captivity. They were saying, remember in captivity, God, we built houses and we planted crops and we had sons and daughters. Well, we need that kind of fortune again today. We need that to happen today. You know, I was just aware, you know, sometimes in the Bible, Jesus often, that's how he operated. 
There were people with sometimes sicknesses that were quite long. And yet, right at the right moment, God, Jesus comes along. I remember, um, blind, blind, <laughs> I'm just going to tingle my tongue today. Blind Bartimaeus, all his life, over 30 years of age, been bl- he was born blind. Jesus comes along, touches him, he can see again. In an instant, a stream in the desert. Bang, a stream in the desert moment. Woman with the issue of blood. Uh, 12 years, suffering. Touches the garments of Jesus, him. Um, and yet, bang, instantly, God does something. Streams in the desert moment. I, I always remember my uh, eldest daughter, who's now uh, uh, 30, actually. And uh, at the age of 12, uh, for about a year, she had contracted warts. And I know some of you have heard this story, but I, it's, it's just one of those moments in life where you just say, God, that was you moment. That was a stream in the desert moment. And, and she had warts. And I'm not just talking about one or two. She had like about 15 on her hands. And, they were, and some of them were quite um, high and a little bit grotesque. And, and so for probably about two months, we used ward kill and we used the clear nail vol- um, um, polish and, and we tried to get rid of them and it didn't really work. It didn't really work. And I'd had enough and, and then I thought, you know what? How about I pray? What a great thought. Sometimes we, we turn to God as the last resort, not the first answer. We're going to turn that around. I learned a lesson through that. And so I said to Gabriel, come on, you and dad are going to believe that these warts will go in the name of Jesus. And so I laid hands on her little hands and she said, come on, yes, 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 let's pray. And as we started to pray and as we believed, we said in the name of Jesus, these warts will be, anything that's not planted of the Lord shall be uprooted, claimed the verse and uh, stood on it. And we said, you know, cursed is every man that hangs on a tree. And Jesus hung on that tree to take this curse. And these warts are a curse. And we don't agree with it. And so, Father, in the name of Jesus, you take it and destroy them. And I want to tell you, did they drop off straight away? No. But within three days, folks, the next day, a wart dropped off. How does that happen? You might give me a medical terminology for that. And it might be all very human. But I'd like to believe there's a God who's a miracle-working God. Because he's a God that works in streams in the desert. By three days, every wart had dropped off. And behind, and behind the warts was this pink little patch of beautiful new skin, and it all just blended in after a month. And, uh, and no warts after three days, and the skin was back to normal after a month. And I just say, Father, man, that's your suddenly moments. And yet we'd waited so long, we'd kind of hung in there, we'd, you know. And, you know, I, I'd kind of thrown up the occasional prayer, but, you know, I just got a little bit desperate, a little bit, God, I'm going to press into you. I'm just going to ask afresh. And when we did, God said, yeah. Does that mean God doesn't want to answer until we get desperate? No, it's just that sometimes God looks for your heart more than your head. He's looking for your heart response. Jesus was good at bringing sudden blessing. He was very good at it. Sudden, and you know, breakthroughs, weren't they? Just breakthroughs, blessings like streams in the desert in the southern part of Israel. So the same God who brought that deliverance in the past you know, out of captivity, is the same God who brings the breakthrough quickly in the present, in the now, into the day, today. So what can God do for you? He can bring the breakthrough now. Not only can He bring you, uh, you know, the deliverance, uh, you know, we remember what He delivered us from the past, but He can bring the breakthrough now. Here's the third thing I want to encourage us with this morning for this passage, verse 5 and 6. Those who sow in tears shall reap in joy. 
He who continually goes forth weeping, bearing seed for sowing, shall doubtless come up again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. Um, this is interesting, you know, because it says in the earlier verses, they were laughing. You know, we, we were like those who dreamed and our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongues were filled with singing. They were laughing. This is why it's, it seems disjointed, but it's not. It, it, that all the verses connect. They were laughing and now they're weeping. Um, um, why is that? It seems, why, why do they, you know, they were laughing about coming out of captivity. Now they're in the promised land. Oh, not the promised land. They're back in Jerusalem. That is the promised land, back in Israel. And now they find themselves, they've got to sow the seed they've got. They would have brought bags of seed with them out of the captivity, out of Babylon. And, you know, they could only um, had enough seed for what they could carry. And so they've only got so much and they've got to sow it. And, you know, that's why they're weeping is they're saying, God, we haven't got much but you want us to sow it, this is risky business. What if we don't get a harvest? What if we don't get a crop? And then God, and then they proclaim it, don't they? They say, he who continually goes forth weeping, bearing seed for sowing. Oh, I've got to give away. Some of you are like that. Oh, i got to give. Oh, it, Sometimes we hold the money so tight, the tears in the eyes of the people and our $10 bills start to weep. Giving can feel like it's risky, but I want to encourage you this morning. It's not, because when we sow, there's some promises for us um, that I'm very encouraged by this morning. Um, we wanted to see the reality is, is that the, the seed that they brought out of Babylon, some of it um, they needed to sow and some of it they needed to keep to make bread to eat so they could eat. Now that's still a truth for today because Paul takes up that topic in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, the Apostle Paul, and he starts to talk about giving um, for the things of God or the kingdom of giving into the kingdom of God. And when we give to the kingdom of God, that's, that's called sowing and reaping, isn't it? Uh, praise God. It's not just the sowing, but there's a reaping. It says, he who sows generously in that chapter, chapter 9 of 2 Corinthians, he who sows generously will reap what? Generously. And, the, and then it, it, it actually says, when we give into God's kingdom projects, God will supply seed to the sower. So that if I sow, he's going to provide seed to the sower and also bread, seed for me to sow. But he's going to provide bread for the sower for food as well. So he's going to provide seed for me to sow again and also for me to feed myself and my family. So what that means is that the resource we have, some of our seed is meant for us to eat and some of our seed is meant for us to, not to be consumed, but to give, to release. So uh, I find that powerful and that's what's happening in this passage. They're weeping because they've got to give up their seed to sow, but they really do know it's going to bring a harvest and it's going to bring, uh, you know, they're just saying, but it's risky, God. We need rain. We need the right environment. We need the sun and we give this is the only seed we've got to sow, so they sow it with tears. But the promise is in the next part of the verse, isn't it? You know, I love the reality of uh, you know uh, the truth is there's some seed is for us to eat, and some seed is for you to give. Um, uh, so uh, I, I love pineapples. I, I don't know if anybody else is here who loves pineapples. I, I like a good, incredibly juicy, sweet pineapple. The trouble with Gladstone, I don't know. Maybe you tell me if I'm wrong, but I've never really found a really sweet pineapple in Gladstone. You go to the shopping center and you buy a pineapple and you cut it open and eat it and you're disappointed. There's that slight tartiness or sour taste of it. And I'm thinking, where can you buy that good? Now, I know that 100 of you will come out afterwards and tell me where I can get a good pineapple, but I've found the place to get a sweet sweet pineapple. I like a good pineapple. 
It's in the Philippines. It's only about it's a th- couple thousand kilometers away, but don't worry. We'll, we're about to go back there one day. Um, so uh, when I go to the Philippines, they grow this little pineapple about 200 millimeters high, and they take the skin off, and then they carve it and get all the pips out. You know what I mean? All those little pips. And they carve it so decoratively, and they stick it on a stick, and you can eat it like a hot dog or an ice block. And when I go to the Philippines, after I jump off the plane, the first thing that I find the anointing comes upon me is to get one of those pineapples. God speaks to me. He says, you've got to find a pineapple. So last time I went, I found, you know, I said, oh, Pastor Margaret, can we just pull over here? She says, why? There's a pineapple vendor right there. And so I had my pineapple. I was just... I was as happy as a pig in mud for that hour anyway. Um, so, you know, pineapples, I, I don't know. Is there any precious ex-Filipino people here today say, yep, the pineapples are incredible? No. Okay, you don't want to put your hand up. Um, they are. They're amazing. I find them amazing. Maybe, maybe there's pineapples somewhere in this area that has got sweet pineapples. Maybe you grow sweet pineapples. I don't know. But the interesting thing about pineapples, why would I talk to you about pineapples? Is there's one part of the pineapple that you do not eat. That would be the top of part of the pineapple, would it not? The prickly leaves. You don't kind of rip that off and start munching on it, folks. It's it's not even tasty. It's not. I've never tried it. I don't want to try it. it even it, no one eats the top of a pineapple. Uh, animals don't even eat them because they got little prickles along the leaves. If you get caught in your throat, you know that wouldn't be too healthy for you. So there's a reason that you don't eat the top of the pineapples. I want to tell you the reason is because the pulp of the pineapple is used as seed to plant, to put the top in the ground again, and you grow a new pineapple tree, a pineapple bush, or whatever you call pineapple plants, and you get more pineapples. You don't eat the seed; you plant the seed, don't you? It's the same with apples. When you eat an apple, who eats the cores? I won't, I won't, I won't say, uh, Tristan, I won't say that your wife eats the cause. I won't name her, but you know, that's sad. Who eats the cause? Why are you eating the seed? Because that's why, you you know, when you eat, it's not edible. I I know possibly some of you think it is, but it's not, you know. When you eat the apple, you munch around the outside and you put the core, sometimes we throw it away, but that's the seed. See, there's some seed you got to eat and there's some seed you got to keep. I think God made pineapple tops really yucky to eat because he didn't want you eating it because he wants you to plant it. And I think that's the same with what Scripture's saying here. I believe uh, the Jewish people, they understand our resources. Um, you know, I, I use some to keep and some to eat. Oh, sorry, and some to give. Now, the wonderful thing about it is this. Uh, you can say, well, giving can be risky, if I give it, there's no return, but I want to encourage you today when you give it in the name of Jesus, when you give it uh, for the, in the right environment, for the right purposes, it's amazing. There's a promise, and it says in verse 6, it says, She'll doubtless, he who goes forth sowing, she'll, she'll doubtless come again with sheaves of seed. What sheaves? It's talking about the wheat heads. All this seed on the sheaf of the, of the wheat head. All that seed that you can, some of it you'll use to grind up to make bread, some of it you'll sow again. He says, doubtless, doubtless. What does doubt mean? It means without doubt. Do you know what it is? It's a promise. When you sow in the con- into God's project, in God's principles, it's amazing. He says, you know what? There's a promise. You will come. There will be a day that you'll come back and you'll have sheaves of seed. It's without a doubt. It's not a maybe. It's what will happen. It's a promise of provision, folks. 
So uh, I was in the news agency the other day. I was buying a birthday card, and I was second in line. And there's a gentleman in front of me, and he's talking to the person behind the counter in the news agency. And the person behind the counter said to the gentleman in front of me, same as last week, Fred. I thought, what's he talking about? Same as last week? He's standing in front of this clear cabinet with all these scratchies. Have you ever seen them? Um, you know, there's lots of them. And the, but the only exciting thing for me personally is they're so colorful. Yeah. But that's about it. And so, and, and, and I'm thinking, what does he mean, same as last week? So the, and, and the guy, friend in front of me, went, yep. And it, this guy rattled off, you know, three of these and four of those and five of those. It was over 60 bucks worth of scratchies. And I think, mate, do you do that every week? I didn't say that to him. I suppose I should have asked him, but I thought that might be a bit rude. Uh, so, um, you know, I'm thinking the reason you're probably here is because you haven't won yet, uh, which makes sense. You didn't win. You haven't won. You're coming back again and again. You do that every week, over 60 bucks of investment into scratches every week. I'm thinking, wow. Uh, I'm thinking, gee, that's a big commitment. But you know what? I, I realized the reason he's coming back is because he hasn't won, because it's not a sure thing. There's a risk involved. You're going to lose your money. It's probably one in, a, one in half a million that you're ever going to win. But he continues to obviously pour his money into it, that kind of ground, which I don't think is a very good environment for your seed. I don't think it's a good return. Uh, by the time you win $100,000, you may have already you know, cost you over 15 years $100,000. I don't know. God doesn't work like that. So, you know, what God is saying here, because God is saying, you know what? It's without doubt when you sow into my kingdom, but if you sow into the wrong kind of soil or the wrong environment or the, the things of the world, you know you what? You'll find that you get ripped off. You find that you get ripped off. I discovered that the get, not personally so much, I've never really invested in them, the get, get rich quick schemes never really do work. <laughs> Whether it's scratchies or gold lotto or, you know, my sister, big sister sent me a scratchy once for my birthday, like, you know, 15 years ago. And I, and you know, I thought, oh, I'm not really interested. And then I got really interested because I scratched off two numbers the same and it was like $200. <laughs> but you got to get three of them, is that right? How do you know? <laughs> um, anyway, and you know what? There was a couple of times I scratched off the two numbers the same. One was 200, one was like 200,000. I thought, you know, because I've, I've got no experience with these things. I'm thinking, wow, if I win this, do I have to tell my sister? I don't want to say, and I never did. Never did. That's okay. Uh, I don't buy them. She bought it for me. So understand, here we go. God is a provision for us. God is a provision for us. Jehovah Jireh. So understand this. The God who delivers you from captivity of a struggle in the past is the God who can release His miracles in the now. The breakthrough streams in the desert now is the same God who promises provision for your future. There's no doubt of a provision. So the God of the past, of deliverance, and the God of the now, of the breakthrough, is the God of the provision of the future. And I suppose I've said all that to say we have a God that is a good God. He's a provider. He's everything that we need. The world system is, um, yeah, there's some great systems of the world. But I'm glad that our God stands above them. I'm glad our God stands above COVID. I'm glad our God stands above all the issues and struggles. I'm glad our God stands above, 
you know, the economic upturn or downturns of this world. I'm glad our God stands with us and He wants to be with us and be good to us. So as the team come this morning, the same God who delivers is the same God who gives breakthrough is the same God who provides into the future. Can we stand together? What were the Jewish people trying to, what were they singing about as they went into Jerusalem? They were singing about the God of deliverance and the God of breakthrough and the God of provision. No matter what that experienced through that uh, three, past three months, they were going to sing about it anyway. They were going to proclaim it anyway. They were going to say, no, ma- no matter what's happening now, I'm going to sing about it. I'm going to praise Him anyway. I'm going to believe. I think God stands ready to prove Himself to you, to be a provision for you. So how about today? As we come and we close this service, that we come for a moment and we just, we're going to sing this last song. But if you know today, there, there's that area where you just need to step out and say, God, trust again. God, I need to trust you again. Maybe it's for physical touch upon your body. Maybe it's provision upon, you, upon your finances or life. Maybe there's a, just a breakthrough needed. Uh, don't get twisted and disappointed and upset and bitter about life. But no, why don't you just lift your eyes? That was last week. It says, I'm going to lift your eyes to where your help comes from. Where does your help come from? Your help comes from the Lord. That's what it says in Psalm 121. And so today, this is how He helps. This is how He helps. Three things He wants to do, He can do for us. So how about we today? If you know that, that, that there's just that need is it to come and say, God, I just want to see that. I just want to, I, I just need to let you come and work. I'm going to step out. Maybe today you want to come and just fill the altar up. Just come and stand and just as we worship. We may get to you in prayer. We may not, not. But you want to say, God, I'm giving it over to you. I'm going to trust you today. Sometimes it's it just going to put some feet to your faith sometimes and say, God, I'm stepping out and believing. So as we sing, you come this morning to Him, not to me, not to this church, to Him. And let's believe together. Just for this five or so minutes before we finish, uh, let's come and worship Him and trust Him today. Come on. Thanks, team.
Come on. There's no problem. 